0: Welcome to the fantasy NBA today podcast good morning I got this figured out where well, we're getting there at least let me make that uh, let me make that smaller for a sec so you guys can see my ugly mug this is fantasy NBA today it's Friday not our usual Friday though normally we have a weekend review episode today uh, today we will not be doing a weekend review because uh, how many games were there over the last week? Well, yesterday, pretty much. So uh, can't do that, but we can do a massive Thursday recap. We had the Utah Jazz leaning even harder into a tank mode. We had all sorts of stuff. Kyle Lowry making a debut. Oh, I know. Your eyes light up when you hear a mention of Big Booty Kyle. In any case, uh, welcome to the show. I'm Dan Vesperis. You can find me over on social at Dan Vesperis, D-A-N-B-E-S-B-R-I-S. This is a sportsethos.com presentation. I hope some of you guys checked out some of those new tools we've been talking about on the show, and I will mention them at some point in the middle of today's episode. But considering you guys had to watch me go get water, why don't we just dive into the action? A lot to cover from yesterday. My voice is tired. This is a really interesting week for me because... uh, I'm doing 6 games of play-by-play this week. I'm 3 out of 6 done. So the voice is tired. The spirit is willing. This is cool, man. This is the most this is the most play-by-play I've done, I think since I had a kid. So 7 years. Really testing the pipes out this week. Anyway, let's dive in. Detroit lost at Indiana. This ball game was a blowout for a while. Pistons made it I don't know, marginally competitive down the stretch. No big takeaways from this one. Simone Fontecchio still seeing plenty of minutes, but just I think we've seen enough now to know that the fantasy profile doesn't really support a 9-cat roster ship. Uh, If you wanted to try to ring out like a very low-end points league type of activity there, that's more of a maybe, but also probably still a no. Asar Thompson... Another quality game, two steals, three blocks, seven boards, five assists. Really nice, well-rounded attack. He did miss a bunch of free throws, but you kind of just wear that because the rest of it was uh, super nice. So hold on to Thompson and uh, go ahead and move on from Fontecchio. We're going to try to, by the way, make this one a little bit of a lightning round kind of show. I don't want to spend you know an hour going through yesterday's box scores. I also, uh, as we move over to the Indiana side, want to let you guys know I'm going to try to get a show out on Sunday, which would be more of kind of like your weekend review type show because that would have Thursday, Friday, and Saturday games on it, possibly uh, early Sunday activity, and then I guess that kind of replaces the the reverse chronological lightning round. I guess I got to think this thing through. In any event... Uh, Indiana side, no massive surprises there. Uh, Benedict Matherin is the spot starter for, uh, Aaron Niesmith, and you don't want anything to do with Matherin. I know he had six boards and five assists in this ball game, but he's more trouble than he's worth. So just roll with the usual names, which would be Siakam, Halliburton, Miles Turner. And then when Niesmith comes back, you can play him as well. Brooklyn changed coaches, got the same result, which was looking really, really bad. Like, real bad. Nick Claxton was okay. Cam Thomas was okay. Mikael Bridges was okay. And that's going to have to be all right because uh, everybody else was dog-do. Ben Simmons was awful. I mean, I've told you guys, how many times have I said on this podcast now, I don't want anything to do with Ben Simmons. I think he's going to be a bigger headache than he's worth. I say it again. I don't want anything to do with Ben Simmons. I think he's going to be a bigger headache than he's worth. What well, we also learned in this ballgame, first of all, Dennis Schroeder did have some foul trouble, but it doesn't seem like when the team is healthy, which they basically were in this ballgame, that there's going to be enough there for Schroeder, so go ahead and move on from Dennis. Cam Johnson is the one, for me, that remains still kind of undecided. I'm out on the other fringe guys. Cam Johnson, I'm waiting to see what his job is going to be in this Kevin Ollie system. We played 21 minutes. This was the second game back from an injury. It was another blowout. But he did come off the bench and, you know, a handful of stuff. Like, Mikael Bridges played 35 minutes in this game in a 28-point loss. So it's not like all the starters played 23 minutes. Uh, I just, I don't know that there's enough. I think we're in logjam territory now. So if you can, and I can, hold on to Cam Johnson for one more week. It's possible that his role just is going to be diminished, Shame of it too is that he was starting to play really well prior to his injury and now coaching change, and we just don't know is he going to be one of all these guys who will who will be. Now there's a chance that things pivot hard here, and that you know someone like a Dennis Smith Jr. plays his way into a bigger role. Or you know we said Dorian Finney-Smith, yeah he had some foul issues as well, but only 15 minutes, like you can't blame all of that on fouls. Could Lonnie Walker see an increase? I think there's enough up in the air with Brooklyn where we have to at least keep a close eye on sort of who are the fourth, fifth, sixth guys on this team. And then if somebody emerges, and I just spilled water on my keyboard, and I don't want to press any buttons because that could ruin the broadcast. If somebody emerges for Brooklyn, let's just be ready to pounce on them. And it might not be the super obvious thing either. Because you never really know what a new coach is going to gravitate to, especially after they get smoked in their season debut. Yikes! Uh, Toronto side, we'll again just keep shuffling along here. Emmanuel quickly, Gary, uh, Scotty Barnes, and um, Jakob Purtle are kind of your generally safer plays. And even quickly, like, quickly had a a nice ball game here, but by and large, he's going to be a much better points league guy than 9cat. He'll be startable in 9cat, but, you know, you saw over the last two or three weeks, he was outside the top 140, and a lot of it is just, like, is he going to do enough peripheral stuff and have okay enough percentages? Question marks on this team. Gary Trent Jr., who had 25 points, what, 9 of 12 shooting in the ball game, but then again, you know, 25 points, 5 three-pointers, that's good, but one board, two assists in 31 and a half minutes, is not. He had one steal. He's going to sit right on the borderline. And so every day we're going to look at these Toronto games and go, man, maybe we should hold Gary Trent. And then the next one's going to be like, nah, maybe we shouldn't hold Gary Trent. That's a class of players. And I don't know what the the best terminology for that class of players actually is. But it's going to be a guy like a Max Struess, a guy like a Gary Trent, that are sitting right on the fringe. And I almost feel like we can just call them the doesn't matter. They are the doesn't matter guys. Meaning, it doesn't matter if you play them or you don't play them. They're not really going to advance your team forward, and they're not really going to set your team back. But if you're in a head-to-head league, you want guys that are playing. And if you're in a roto league, sometimes you need to just use a game against a game's cap. Like, you can't... It'd be nice if you could play all top 85 guys all season long, but that's just not feasible in a 12-teamer, unless you are in the absolute pastry of a league. that You know you draft all superstars. But in general, if you're in a relatively competitive, even an intermediate 12-teamer, you're at some point against the games cap, probably going to play somebody who's like a top 125 kind of guy. And that's probably what those types are, the guys that I'm going to now most affectionately referred to as the doesn't matters they're the doesn't matters and yes i know the grammar of that makes no sense but you kind of have to fall with me each guy is a doesn't matter together they are the doesn't matters not the don't matters because that's even more confusing but and there's, and there's always a handful of players like this, where everyone is in my Twitter mentions and the YouTube comments. It's like, should I drop this guy? And it's like, you know what? You know what the answer is? The name of the group of players. Doesn't matter. If you play Gary Trent every day for the next three weeks, you'll get a couple of games where you're like, boy, that was smart of me. And then you'll get a few games where you're like, oh, I wish I hadn't done that. And at the end, you're going to look back and you go, I don't know what that was. And then you're going to stop and you're going to say, eh. Doesn't matter. I uh, am being forced to think with my brain and not with my heart on Kelly olinnick who uh, for the moment is not really seeing power forward minutes alongside Jakob Pertl. If there are, they are few and far between. And yeah, he can pile up fantasy stats in limited minutes, but 18 is not enough. It's going to have to be in the low to mid-20s at the bare minimum, 22-23, preferably more like 24-25. And what I continue to to pray for but not see happening is a reasonable path for Olinick to get to 25 minutes. In, in like, this is a blowout, and he still was stuck on 18. And, you know, I don't know if, if Pirtle ends up missing a game here and there. That's the way. If Pirtle ends up taking off the last few weeks of the season, that's another way. We talked about this as possible stash guys on the show a couple days ago. Olinick as a stash makes way more sense than Olinick as a play right now. I wish he was a play right now, but he's not. I had a bunch of people asking me about Grady Dick. Um, No, not until Toronto officially pulls the plug. And they haven't yet because they're bad, but they're not officially and really not all that close, frankly, to mathematically eliminated the Raptors four and a half games back of the Hawks for the last play in spot. So, you know, mathematical elimination is still a pretty good ways off. Knicks beat up on the Sixers. This was another game that was a blowout for a while. Philly was able to kind of wiggle their way back into it a bit. And so uh, the the score looked like a pretty wide gap, but the Knicks had to play their main horses a bit down the stretch to kind of lock it up. And so you got predictably decent games from Jalen Brunson, Josh Hart, Dante DiVincenzo, Precious Achua. But there are a few little sort of what do you call unknowns with New York? Unknown number one is uh, Isaiah Hardenstein, who played 10 minutes here and obviously isn't healthy. What I don't know is that, you know, are we going to get an actual minute count for him in their next ball game? Because this was extraordinarily low. He played 11 minutes. I threw him into a lot of Roto Games capped leagues because there wasn't a lot of reporting on whether or not he was going to be playing a regular compliment, and as we saw, he didn't even come close to that. So if you can, you probably want to bench Hartenstein until he's back up into the 20s. If you're on the head-to-head side, you're just going to have to hold and hope that this thing sorts itself out quickly. As far as Boyan Bogdanovich, the other player that I think will get some questions from this game, he had 22 points in 23 minutes, but you should be looking more at the minutes than the points, because typically... He's not going to hit six three-pointers in 23 minutes. He's probably not going to get 13 shots in 23 minutes on days when he's not lava hot. I mean, the dude went a perfect six for six from downtown in this contest. He's almost never going to get you three steals. This was uh, the outlier. This is the, the trickery of a game. So I don't think you need to add Boyan Bogdanovich. His fantasy profile requires him to be very heavily involved in a team's offense to actually hit his marks, and uh, it's just not going to be the case long term. Someone also asked me why I referred to DiVincenzo as some maybe a streamer. I, honestly, I just I don't know that DiVincenzo, Hart, Achua, Bogdanovich, Burks, I don't know if any of those guys stays above the cut line when everybody's healthy on the Knicks, but they're not right now. So, you know, let's just sort of keep an open mind and, and see which direction it flows. As far as Philly goes, I'm not worried about Paul Reed. 22 minutes here, uh, four fouls. He just sort of got beat up by the Knicks. He'll be fine. He's been playing well. He's been getting good minutes. Just sort of didn't in this one. Kyle Lowry, 25 minutes off the bench. Uh, I don't know, man. Uh, D'Anthony Melton is supposed to be back for this ball game tonight. For the Sixers, they play again here on Friday night. I'm guessing his minutes are going to be in very tight check, but someone's going to suffer, and presumably you'll see less Lowry, you'll see a little bit less uh, Buddy Heald, a little bit less of maybe some of the bench guys who squeeze in some minutes at the end, maybe a little less K.J. Martin. We'll see. Um, It'll be more important or more relevant, I guess I should should phrase it as it'll be more relevant as Melton gets ramped up into the high twenties in minutes, and he's going to be very useful once he gets there. I just don't know if it's going to take a week or two weeks or whatever. But this is your moment, by the way, to pick up Melton and just know that it's going to be uh, a painfully slow ramp up that will likely have a pretty nice light at the end of that tunnel. Uh, so Maxi Harris, Healed, Ubre, Reed are the guys that I feel pretty comfortable starting on this team melton once he gets revved back up over on the roto side i'm not adding kyle lowry and i'd have to see a whole lot more than this to say oh yeah you know, this is a guy who's gonna get to play a ton i just i don't think that's to, gonna be the case orlando beat cleveland 116 109 without uh markel faults in this one uh so gary harris and Jalen suggs with a starting backcourt Suggs left early with a head injury. He's uh, listed as questionable, I believe, for the next one. But I don't care. I wasn't adding him anyway. Mo Wagner exploded off the bench. So once again, he put a dent into whatever you thought you were going to get out of Wendell Carter Jr., who I've been very vocal on this podcast that I'm not using in any format. We're basically one Orlando injury away from Cole Anthony becoming somewhat interesting, but 19 minutes ain't enough. And Gary Harris, no Jonathan Isaac, we're sort of still watching from the periphery to see if he can consistently get 20 minutes, and the answer, at least for now, remains no. And the Magic basically have one nine-cat startable guy, and that's Franz Wagner. Franz is the only nine-cat guy you can play nightly on this team. Boncaro is a points league darling, and then everybody else is just sort of cannibalizing each other because they got, whatever it is, like nine dudes all vying for three positions minutes. Womp womp. Over on the Cavaliers' side, every time I try to quit Max Struce, he drags me back in. This is a nice ball game for Max. 18-4-6, and six, a steal, a block, and a three-pointer. He's in the doesn't matter category. Because, again, you can play him. It's fine. Like, he's number 113. Technically, on a per-game basis, that's a startable dude. He's at 41.5% shooting from the field, and if that gets up near 42 or 43, then he's inside the top 100, and everybody's like, oh, this is a guy that you needed to start. Uh, and I, I, listen, I'd be fine with that. I've been, I've played a lot of Max Struess this season and I'll continue to play him in leagues where I need to make sure I don't fall back against the game's cap and on head to head sides. He's been just sort of quietly useful all year. And that's the Struess story. And as I warned you all, Karis Levert is very much a dropperoo, Phoenix was without Bradley Beal, who I think they expect to have back pretty soon based on the kind of reading between the lines on the reporting. In the meantime, Grayson Allen, obviously still a hold. He only took three shots in this game, which is a little annoying, but he's been good all year. Eric Gordon is more your fill-in here, as is Royce O'Neal. I prefer Royce's fantasy game because it's a little more well-rounded. Eric Gordon has been hot enough to be playable, but you guys know when the field goal percent dries up, it turns from fun to very sour milk real fast. For that reason, I basically haven't been adding Eric Gordon because I just know it's coming. I didn't add Royce O'Neal either because I don't I'm I'm not super confident that he gets enough minutes every ball game. So right now, for Phoenix, uh the only what you call I guess like fringy type of player that I'm starting is Grayson Allen, because he's been good all season long. Dallas, in my eyes, is the more interesting side here, and not for good reasons either, because Derek Lively got the start but only played 16 minutes, Gafford only played 17 minutes, and Maxi Kleba played 26. So now you've got a three-headed monster going at center, and that is disconcerting. I am very much holding Gafford, because we know he can pile up fantasy stats, and it only takes him about 23, 24 minutes to do so. I am... Probably moving on from Lively, uh, he needs in the 20s as well, but his ceiling isn't as high. Like, if Gafford gets 20, then he's like a top 75 kind of guy. And, you know, he got 26 minutes earlier this year, so he was a third rounder. Lively, in, like, without Gafford around, was only in that 100 range. So this was going to make his life more complicated, no matter how you sliced it. And that pushed him outside the likely useful bubble. But again, like, you know, if you have a roster spot, I guess you could see, cause he is starting. I still, I'd prefer to hold Gafford. I think you can punt on lively. Uh, and in the very near term, I'm probably still starting Gafford, which I know is maybe a bit over aggressive, but whatever. And then, you know, you got Luca and Kyrie and they're trucking along on a Mavs team that is, uh, winning a bunch of ball games right now. The Mavs have won seven in a row, They've now created a little bit of separation uh, from the teams that are a little bit farther back, more towards the the play-in bubble. Not all of them. The Mavs are hanging out with the Suns the, and the Kings, the Pels, and this little grouping. But the Lakers and the Warriors are pretty firmly in that lower half of the play-in. And then you got a whole bunch of teams that are either trying to lose or accidentally losing a bunch. And it just kind of feels like the Western Conference is separating into different strata right now. I mean, maybe that doesn't hold. There's still two months of the season left, but anyway. Boston beat Chicago in a blowout, and there is nothing to take away from this game from a fantasy standpoint. Both teams got nice production out of all five starters. How's that for an easy one to recap? We can move on. Clippers and Thunder. This game was close for like two and a half quarters, and then Oklahoma City... Just blitzed them. So you didn't get great lines from the Clippers' side. You got okay stuff, but uh, nothing special. Zoo, Paul George, James Harden, Kawhi Leonard, those are the only Clippers you're starting. Uh, Over on the Thunder side, Cason Wallace had four steals, but you're not adding him there. Lou Dort had his, like, one good good shooting game every two weeks. You're not adding there. It's just Shea, Jalen Williams, and Chad Holmgren. Those are your three nine-category playable guys on the Thunder as has basically been the case since day one of this season, nothing changes there either. want to take a very, very short mid-show respite to remind you guys to do a couple of things for us here at Sports Ethos. Number one, like and subscribe. And if you have a moment to drop a five-star review, if you're listening on the uh, traditional pod channels, I would very much appreciate that. Uh, so please do just take those few seconds to go hit the like button, hit the subscribe button. That way you get our content every time it comes out. That's important. If you like, it will fall into your feed. If you hit subscribe, then you don't have to worry about it falling into your feed. It's a big deal. So please do take a second. Go hit those buttons before you move on. Pause your show, whatever you got to do, or keep listening while you're doing it. And become part of our mayhem here. Second thing is... Go check out our buddies over at manscaped.com. Promo code there is ethos20. Here's the handyman. I always keep that right near my desk uh, because it's uh, light and portable, and I can just have it It sits on actually on top of the computer right over here. And you can see, look at how I cleaned up my actual face, and the neck needs a little bit of a redo. But uh, here's the thing about Manscaped. They've been such a great partner. This is, I think, their third full season with us, and they make an amazing product. You get a Manscaped product, and you're basically not going to ever have to get that product again. Whereas, I know, like, when I was younger, before Manscaped was around, I would get, like, a Norelco, whatever, electric trimmer or whatever it was. And that thing would break in, like, a year, two years, whatever. It would fall off a shelf one time, and it was just done. Or the charger would fry, and it was done. Switch to Manscaped, and don't worry about that crap. Get one that's going to last you for a decade. Or replace it with another Manscaped one as they come out with fresher, newer models, whatever. And the last thing is, and I've been mentioning this a bunch, we have daily projections now at SportsEthos.com, available to Fantasy Pass subscribers. Uh, I think we're discussing behind the scenes about making sure that DFSers can get access to that as well. Uh, it does have DFS pricing in it, so if it, if you want to use it, to help build your DFS lineup. That's awesome. If you just want to use it to make your daily roster decisions on a season-long league, that's also incredible. They are magnifique. They are magnifique. Uh, they're men, the tools on the Fantasy Pass. Just one more awesome thing that we've been able to add here at Sports Ethos this season, so definitely check those out. Uh, we've been trying to tweet about them more regularly here lately, so uh, maybe you'll see them over on that side. at Dan vespers remember, is the Twitter handle, so definitely go check those out. Maybe get yourself a Fantasy Pass, Maybe get yourself an all-sport fantasy pass because the baseball draft guide drops first thing next week. Very, very exciting time as we transition into baseball. Joe Orico and his amazing team have a a rank list. They've got projections. they got dynasty stuff, so you get the minors. That's going to be super rad as well, and I'll make sure to crow about that a bunch on Monday. Let us continue. Houston blown out in New Orleans. Freddie Van Vliet came back. He played 30 kind of rusty minutes in this ballgame. Amin Thompson had 22, 5, and 4 with three blocks off the bench. Uh, If you pre dropped him with Van Vliet coming back, you might want to have a little up-oh moment. Let's just see what he does. You know, I, I get the feeling that, you know, some of this was because of the game. They're going to try to get Thompson more minutes, but is it going to be consistently this many? That's going to come down to whether or not Jalen Green can actually hold on to his roster spot. Now, they probably prefer a little bit more spacing, which is Green over Thompson. But, I mean, Amin is just legitimately good, and so sometimes you kind of just have to play the guy who's good. And Jalen Green, sorry, not that good. So we shall see. I would say, hold on. Let's see how the next couple games go for Thompson. If his minutes in more competitive games are lower, then you could probably move on at that point. But at least give him a game or two to see how that drops. Herb Jones is on a severe heater right now. Remember how the beginning of the season was rolling and he was a third rounder for like a month? Well, that's happening again. So make sure that Herb is on your roster. He had a seven-steal game yesterday. That's a weak-swinging kind of night for good old Herb. Uh, Zion was, uh, point Zion here. We'll see if, uh, if he plays in the, in the Pelicans next ball game here coming up. Um, one thing, and Brandon Ingram, by the way, sat this one out with an illness. So that meant that Trey Murphy got to start also. And that's a good thing for him. He had three steals and three blocks. Pelicans had 16 steals and six blocks in this game. That's that part of that is the Houston. And then some of that is we know that, uh, There's been some controversy over the years with Pelly's home scorekeepers. Either way, it doesn't matter. Trey Murphy is a start when he's starting. Herb Jones is a start right now because he is blitzing. Uh, And so just basically play it on that theme. Charlotte won again. They are absolutely destroying their chances to get a pick in the bottom four by winning four games in a row. They're 14-41 and now. What are you doing? You dummies, you're only a game behind the trailblazers who are actively trying to lose harder than you. Don't do it, Charlotte. Don't ruin all your hard work of being awful all season long by being okay for a week. Fantasy-wise, Grant Williams hit six more three-pointers. He didn't do anything else, so I continue to uh, call into question the odds of Grant Williams actually being playable the rest of the season because at some point he's going to cool off or he's going to stop taking 15, 16 shots a game. Uh, And then all of a sudden these, you know, four, five, six, three-pointer performances with very little else is going to be an uh uh-oh. But in the meantime, like I've said, I've tried to soften my stance a bit on playing guys who are hot even if I don't expect it to continue. And Grant Williams is in that. We've called them the stream while warm guys on this show. Um, And there's quite a lot of players in that group. And Grant Williams right now is a stream while warm. And warm doesn't necessarily mean that he's hitting every shot he takes. It just means that he's, like, super aggressive in a way that I don't think is going to last all season long. Uh, But as long as it's going, do it. And then, hell, maybe it'll last for two, three more weeks. Or, I don't know, in a best-case scenario, even more than that. And then you didn't miss out on the heater. And then Trey Mann is the other guy that everybody's asking about. 13-6-4, nice little well-rounded game. Uh, was efficient again. That's going to be the big thing for Trey Mann. Can he remain efficient? I still believe, like Keontae George on the other side of this ledger, I still believe that Trey Mann and George are going to be better in points leagues than 9cat. And so when they have nice ball games or a nice week or whatever it is, that's an opportunity to try to go get a player Who's ranked similarly to them over those two weeks? Or whatever it is. Like I think both of these guys, man, maybe a little bit of a better shot than George, but I like I don't think either one of these guys is gonna be better than top 90 in nine cat. If you're punting for man, it'll probably be field goal percentage. For George, actually probably the same thing. Maybe turnovers also on the Keontae side. If you're punting certain things, then obviously they fit the build a little bit better. But if you're just looking at it from a strict nine category perspective, they're going to be overvalued based on counting stats. Those are great guys to try to move if your league hasn't had its trade deadline yet. Because people are going to be like, ooh, what could this be? And the unknown creates sort of value bubbles that expand. It's almost like on in draft season where someone's like, ooh, I like this guy. And then another person sees that analyst say it and they go, oh, I like that guy now. And everybody tries to keep playing leapfrog to draft them sooner and sooner and sooner. And this type of stuff happens with a player like Trey Mann or a player like Keontae George who steps into a bigger role. And we have an idea of what their stat set is going to translate to. But until we all see it, there's that, maybe it could be this kind of sensation. So could you go out and get a top 70 guy for Trey Mann right now? I don't know. Probably not. Maybe. 30% chance? 25% chance? I would do it. Same door, same deal for Keontae George. People are like, oh, these guys are going to be league winners. Uh, because in their minds, they get this thought of it's like, is this guy gonna average like 17, 8, and 7? No, that's gonna be the better games. And they look at Keontae George, and they're like, oh, he's gonna average 20 points and nine assists. No. And even if he does, might be, you know, on 6 out of 18 shooting a bunch of nights. These things do matter. But I also worry that when I go on a rant like that, then people are like, oh, Dan doesn't like these guys. No, that's a misinterpretation of what I'm trying to accomplish here. What I'm trying to accomplish is if someone has a value bubble, an inflated evaluation based on some good games and some unknown, we should jump on that. Now, if you're just like, you know what, I'd rather just play these guys and hope that they roll at a top 80, 90 clip or slightly better or whatever it is, that's fine. I'm not going to chastise you for it. I just, when I see an opportunity to slip in and squeeze some value out, I'm going to probably call you guys to it. Meanwhile, poor Walker Kessler got benched again. That young fella just cannot catch a break right now. Taylor Hendricks got the start for the Jazz. They're taking a look at their young guy at 12-9, and 9, which was... Decent. 26 minutes. Um, I don't think you have to race out and pick him up. I called him a speculative ad in my tweet storm last night. That's pretty much where I still sit on Hendricks. If you have a dead weight roster spot, which many of us do right now, then flip that spot for Hendricks. See how the next week goes. Uh, we don't know exactly how his stat set is going to translate. Seems like a pretty good rebounder. Seems like the field goal percent could be okay. Um, Will we get some steals? Maybe. We don't really know yet. He also made all of his two-pointers in this game, and one for five from three-point land. So, how does that balance out? Either way, safe to say the Jazz have uh, started hammer-blasting the tank button, um, they're going to the young guys in a lot of spots with, I guess, basically the exception of like a John Collins who had 18 rebounds. So keep rolling with these guys. Hold Walker Kessler. I don't think that he's stuck on 17 minutes the rest of the way. Let's see how that develops. Denver blew out the wizards. The, uh, the actual story in this ball game, there was the Washington side. They finally benched Jordan Poole. Um, and he took 17 <laughs> terrible shots off the bench. Like, I, you know, I think Jordan Poole could actually be a points league play in this, like, come in from the bench and just shoot, 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 shoot until your arm falls off roll. He remains awful in nine-category leagues. Thank the good God we didn't draft that dude. Uh, Bilal Kulibri got the start and was awful. He is not a nine-category fantasy player. I don't care how many of you yell at me about it. I'm not changing my opinion on it because so far he hasn't actually done it. Meanwhile, another double meanwhile, Kyle Kuzma without Jordan Poole in the starting five is like, ooh, is it all me now? Yes, Kyle, it is all you. He took 25 shots, went for 31, 13, and three with six three-pointers, missed a bunch of free throws, and the percentages are going to tank him, but Kyle Kuzma could, prior to a shutdown here, go on a points league run for the ages that... I mean, maybe there's going to be so much usage on the nine cat side that he can overcome the problems. Either way, it looks like he's a winner. Hold on to Marvin Bagley a little bit longer. Minutes were lower in this ball game. I mean, the Wizards just had no answer for Nikola Jokic. Bagley was not going to be it, so you know, they mixed and matched, and nothing really worked. But hold on there, and he actually did enough even in limited minutes in this ball game. And then the guy that I'd love to see take a big step forward would be Corey Kispert, who got 25 bench minutes. If that gets up to 27 or 28, I'm probably then gonna add Corey, but 25 is not quite enough. Put him on your sort of hyper watch list, especially if Kuzma takes a game off, uh, or really anybody in the front court takes a game off, because then Kispert could slide in and get more consistent run. Uh, Catavius Caldwell Pope came back from one injury, suffered another one unrelated, but you know his his like two month injury stretch from hell continues. No, I'm not picking up Christian Brown. He had a double-double in 23 minutes, but it could be Brown. It could be Watson. It could be Reggie Jackson. It could be Justin Holiday, It could be Zeke Naji. There's no clear winner for KCP going down. Uh, but other little note on this ballgame, Nikola Jokic with a 21-19-15 and 15 triple-double. He becomes the third player in NBA history to have a triple-double against every team he's ever played against. And the only team he doesn't have one against, of course, is his own team, the Denver Nuggets, which is where he sits one triple-double behind LeBron James and Russell Westbrook because they got moved, traded, free agent, whatever, and then went back and triple-doubled against the team they started on. What else we got? We're getting towards the end of it. Lakers hung in there for about 22 minutes. And then the Warriors, mostly Steph Curry, blitzed the Lakers the final couple minutes of the second quarter, never looked back. Steph had six three-pointers. He's been dominant since Draymond Green came back. As far as the Lakers go, I don't think you have anything you really need to look at here. LeBron sat this game out, so, you know, you got a little extra Rui Hachimura. He was barely startable. More D'Angelo Russell, more Austin Reeves, more Anthony Davis. Those guys all get a bump when LeBron is out. A little surprised that Spencer Dinwiddie only played 18 minutes in this ballgame. He was also a plus six in his 18 minutes. So kind of surprising, although I think with the game maybe a bit out of hand, uh, Coach Ham was just like, you know what, Uh, let's just try to save whatever we can for tomorrow, which is now today, where the Lakers have a must win against the Spurs. You just can't afford to crap yourself against the teams you're supposed to beat, and uh, I mean, that's one of the teams this evening. So let's spend our time in this game on the Warriors' side. Brandon Pajemski continuing to start for Klay Thompson. He had 10-9 and 9 in 27, eh, 28 minutes, which is good enough to hold on pods. Jonathan Kaminga has cooled off considerably. He's no longer a sell high. He's a hold until you get another sell opportunity. Uh, Draymond's a hold. Wiggins is a hold. He's been much better over the last month or so. And then Steph, of course, has been... Rocket boosting back up the board after his cool spell. Steph is number 13, and he's basically one more big ball game from moving back into the first round on a per-game basis. But what to do, what to do, what to do with Clay Thompson, who had three points, four boards, and five assists in 28 minutes, nine shots, but just went one for nine. He had a monster first game off the bench. You have to hold It's still Clay, and he's still going to play a bunch of minutes. What I do want to know is what happens to the Warriors' rotations when Chris Paul comes back, because apparently they're expecting him back within the next 10 days or so. They said that they're hoping he plays on their upcoming four-game road trip, which starts uh, four days from today. So where does he slot in? You know, CP3, there will be a ramp-up period, obviously. Um, But where his minutes come from? Clay Pods? It's going to have to be one of those guys. It can't all come from these other sort of weirdos. And Gary Payton wasn't even in this ball game. But Lester Quinones only played 14. Moses Moody played 19. I mean, are we going to go hyper small, I guess? But it does feel like Clay or Pods is going to lose out there and uh we'll wait and find out. Kings weathered the Victor Wembanyama megastorm. Wemby one assist away from a 5 by 5 Ah, love those five-by-fives. Wembyama firmly number 11 in nine category leagues right now. Wow, what an amazing year he's had. I thought for sure that the percentages would hurt more than they have. He's begun to figure it out in record time. Uh, Spurs at some point are going to be pretty darn good. They're not pretty darn good yet. Devin Vassell had a big one here. Um, he and and Wemby have kind of been the only truly safe Spurs. Trey Jones has cooled a bit, but I think he remains a hold. Jamie Sohan was better. You try to move him anytime he has a better ballgame, and I think everybody's pretty much given up on Kelda Johnson by now, right? I know he had a better ballgame here, but I can give that the big old who cares. Uh, Kevin Herter, this was his sort of last stand. I said, look, Kevin, if you can't give me 30 minutes in this ballgame, I am now officially moving on, and of course he immediately played 30 minutes. He was like, sorry, Dan, sorry. I didn't hit 30 for like two, three ballgames there, but I'm back. Herter is a 30-minute clubber. We don't have as many of those anymore. They used to be Thad Young and Marvin Williams and list went on and on. Now you basically have Kevin Herter. Or these sort of fringe guys where if they get 30, they're in, and if they don't, they're out. Malik Monk continues to ride his hot wave right now. You can stream while warm. That's the best way to describe that one. I still feel more comfortable in head-to-head than Roto, but you can probably play him in both while he's this hot. Uh, Herter, definitely. You can go in both while he's this warm. And uh, the Kings took everything, but, you know, they got through it. And that's yesterday's card. That was an anticlimactic ending to that recap. Uh, Questions on some of the news of the day. Yes, you guys are all correct to bring those up in the chat room. We're going to get to the news here before we uh, wrap things up on today's podcast. And again, hoping to get a show going over the weekend that kind of recaps a few days' worth of games, things that you can make more of the kind of Uh, Rest of season stuff. Clint Capella uh, is set to return for the Hawks, but Onyeka Okongwu is out. I believe the line was for the foreseeable future with his toe injury. So that sucks. If you're battling for a playoff spot when guys are out indefinitely, you know what you need to do, and it's terrible to say it, but Okongwu probably a guy that you don't have to stick to if you're battling for playoff position in the head head side, or hell, even if your playoffs are starting. Capella set to have a minutes limit on his return. So look for something in that kind of like 24 range. But uh, once he gets up to full speed, if Okong was still out, it could be sort of a, uh, I can't believe I'm going to say this, but it could be Capella time. Uh, LeBron likely to play for the Lakers tonight. That's the latest report from the Lakers that came out late last night. And then we also got a bunch of injury news in the mid-afternoon yesterday, uh, largely related to the Memphis Grizzlies. Marcus Smart is out at least another 3 weeks and then will be reevaluated at that point. So 3 weeks from yesterday would be March 14th, meaning even if the reevaluation is like, "Yay, you're ready to go," there's still going to be you'd figure at least a week-long ramp up. So March 21st in my eyes would be the absolute earliest you'd see Marcus Smart and in all likelihood His reevaluation is probably going to say, oh yeah, he's going to take another few days, whatever it is, and then start the ramp up. So you're probably, if anything, looking at like the last week of March, maybe the first week of April. And then what's the point? Maybe get him in for a couple of minutes and a couple of ball games. Uh, I moved on from Marcus Smart a long time ago because he was barely a top 100 player. Even when he was playing this year, I think you can pretty safely move on from him now. Uh, there just there aren't many reasons why I would think you'd need to hold on in a playoff format. If you're in a roto side and and you can just squat on him, then fine, it doesn't really hurt you to do anything. But you know, the latest a head-to-head playoff could start would be March 25th, uh, and that's also probably about the earliest you could possibly see him. And the story is somewhat similar with Desmond Bain, although the difference between the two guys, by the way, Bain, uh, it's not a real evaluation. He is on track to play within the next three to five weeks, which, you know, that's not exactly great news either. But again, three weeks goes to March 14th. If he plays at that point, then you got him in to get sort of revved up for a week and some odd before your fantasy playoffs start. So I think if you can squat on Desmond Bain, I probably would do so. If it's ruining your team to do it, then yeah, you got no choice but to move on. You know, like, you know your team better than I do, which is kind of the the best advice I can give in a scenario like this. You know what your team can handle. I have a fantasy team with Desmond Bain in one IL spot. And right now, if anybody else gets hurt, I'm going to have to make a tough call. Who do I think is going to come back first? Probably the other guy, depending on who it is and what happens, I guess, but he's right on the razor's edge, but even if Bain only comes back and plays 20 minutes on that Grizzlies team, he would just go nuts for 20, so in my eyes, you probably hang on, you won't get him in back-to-backs, it's gonna be a pain, but like, what if he comes back and rolls top 50 in 22, 23 minutes a game and plays three out of four games in a week or something like that. It's probably then better than whatever weirdo you could stream in that spot. So if your league goes to the end of the regular season, you probably hang on to Bane. If your league does not go on to the end of the regular season, you probably have a pretty easy call on dumping both of these guys. Hope that clears that up. To the best of my ability, it clears that up. Definitely go check and find out when your playoffs start. Uh... I've lost track of what week is which here. Uh, Someone in the chat room was like, what about week 20? I don't remember what week 20. I think this is 18, so 19, 20. Yeah, I mean, if your playoffs start, that would be uh, March 4th. I think then is week 20. There's almost no hope of seeing either of those guys until the finals at the absolute earliest and almost definitely not at all. So if your playoffs don't start uh, the very end, basically, if your league doesn't go to the very end, then you move on from both of those Grizzlies. Uh, if your league does go to the very end, you probably hang on to Bane a little bit longer. I still think you could probably call it on Marcus Smart. And I think that was the big stuff from yesterday. Uh, we, I'm sure we'll get a whole bunch of news breaking today over the next little bit. Oh, Alexei Pokushevsky got waved by the Thunder. Remember when he was supposed to be like the next Kristaps Porzingis plus passing? Yeah. It's tough when you weigh 118 pounds and you're seven feet tall. You're just, it's not going to work. I just kept looking at him like, when is this dude going to put on enough weight to actually compete in the NBA? And it it never quite happened. Sorry, Poku. Your time has come. Although here's the thing. What if he, what if the Grizzlies pick him up? You know, what if he ends up on a tank team? One man's trash is another man's gold. If Alexei Pokushevsky ends up on an awful team playing 29 minutes a night, be ready. Fantasy-wise, this is the absolute best news that could have come for Poku getting released. I know, doesn't sound like it makes any sense, but this is 100% the best news that could have happened to Alexei Pokushevsky. Keep one eye on him in case he ends up on a crapper team. I mean, in all likelihood, he'll probably end up on somebody's G League roster, but you never know. I mean, what if the Blazers pick him up and shut everybody down? What if the Wizards pick him up and shut everybody down? And someone's just like, Poku, go out there, do whatever the hell you want for 29 minutes. We want to see. We want to see is music to fantasy players' ears. Because I want to see. Or he, you know, rides off into the sunset. If he ends up on a team that's actually trying, we can also ignore him. This is a, we desperately hope he ends up on a team that's in full tank mode. Otherwise, feh, feh, away with you, be gone. All right, now we're done. Uh, no show tomorrow. Uh, my kid has his first Little League game of the spring session, and then I've got uh, two basketball play-by-play games immediately after in the afternoon, so there's just not going to be time for me to do a game. And also my voice is going to be shot to crap. Uh, By the way, if you guys want to hear more, Dan, uh, I will be calling the USC baseball game this evening. I think that's at 6 or 6.30 Pacific time. I got to check my phone calendar. Um, I don't know where it's going to be broadcast, but if you can't get enough Dan, then that would be a way to hear me talk uh, to myself for three and a half hours. Yes, it's a lot. I know. Um, Again, no show tomorrow. Hoping to get a show to you guys on Sunday. Obviously, we'll definitely have one uh, first thing next week. And the following week, even, frankly, towards the end of next week, we're going to start talking about the long stream. Registered trademark Dan best SportsEthos.com fantasy NBA today. The long stream will be coming up about a week from today. We'll start to break down how to handle that if your playoffs begin the following week. Uh, it drives everybody nuts that I do them all together, so it's possible I might just do like a quick hitter, you know, five to ten minute episode daily on playoff long streaming. I don't know. I haven't decided how I want to do it yet. Seems like a lot of work, though, to set up a whole other show to do that when I could just jam it into the end of the regular one. But, you know, we could put an advertisement at the beginning of the 10-minute quick hitter. So do I want to line my pockets with 4 and a half dollars 5 You know I do. I can almost get a 6-inch sub for that money. Remember when you could get lunch for like 4 and a half bucks? Those were the days. It was a while ago now. 2022. All right, everybody. Have a lovely Friday. Enjoy the pretty large card. Uh, Keep chugging. Let's get some more wins wherever we can. And uh, I will likely talk to you guys on this pod on Sunday. In the meantime, come find me over on Twitter at Dan Bespris. We'll do our dirty business over there. See ya.